Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 9.04 on a Wednesday morning. Good morning to you. Stephen McIver here, the 2nd day of November 2022, in for Smithy and again. And as for the Rick Dog, although the Rick Dog is getting better, so he should be back tomorrow. Busy old day today in the sense of rugby league. Coming shortly, we're going to speak with Jesse Bromwich, the Kiwi skipper, ahead of their quarterfinal against Fiji in the Rugby League World Cup. Have a think about this. Fiji, 2017, what happened? That's right. Fiji Barty beat uh, New Zealand 4-2 in that quarterfinal. That was a a Rugby League World Cup to forget. Also, Crystal Rota, the captain of the Kiwi Ferns, who opened their campaign around 7am tomorrow morning against France in York. Interesting discussion. I've just got off the phone with her because they've got the jersey presentation in about 15 minutes. And what are the real talking points about the Kiwi Ferns program in this Rugby League World Cup is the fact that a lot of them have children with them. Coach Ricky Henry has uh, came out and said, well, we're going to change the environment, culture, the way sport is moving. And a couple of them have very young children, and so they've taken their young children with them. Crystal herself has a 12-year-old, Nikayla, who uh, is medically challenged with, had a kidney transplant, the whole nine yards. And and she is one tough woman, is Crystal Ruta. We'll talk to her after 11 o'clock this morning. We will attempt to get someone from the breakers. We are lining up potentially Tom Abercrombie, and that's a potential potential at the moment, but there are a lot of requirements because it'll be his first game back after injury because they've got a monster game a monster game in line for them this Sunday at four at Spark. They are both six and two, the Kings and the Breakers coming your way uh, on Spark Sport this week. Oh no, it's not, what am I saying? Spark Sport, excuse me. Sky Sport at Spark Arena. I wish we'd stop naming stadiums after television stadiums. You know, so we're Spark Arena, Sky Sky Stadium, the whole nine yards. I'm also going to try and track down Dean Lonigan uh, because 
because this weekend, or is it Friday night, Justice Hooney takes on Kiki Tor Lutelli uh, for an, in a heavyweight bout in Queensland. And also on that undercard is Jerome Pampelon. He's a light heavyweight. And these two fighters come out of the Peach Boxing. And Peach Boxing arguably have one of the best stables of boxers in the country right now who are going to go places. So I think uh, I'm going. I've already sent a message. Well, it'll probably upset Dino a little bit because it was four thirty in the morning his time when I text him. But uh, as someone said, he's probably on the town anyway. No, he's not. He's actually getting a bit old, old Dino for that one. So we're hopefully after eleven o'clock this morning we'll talk to Dean. Our panel today will be Andrew Gordy, who will want to talk about yesterday's Melbourne Cup. Hey, guess by, by the way, by the way, you know I was saying, oh, Emma Sarah, give that a nudge. Came in second. Guess what? Didn't put any money on it. Simple as that. That's where I sit at the moment. It's 9.07. It's Mornings with MacIver. 0800 150811. It's 0800 150811. Or the Temper Bedpost text line 8833. But you know I love a chat, so if there's anything that you want to talk about, uh, then get on to it. By the way, we started the show with the Venga Boys, right? Venga Boys, Dutch group, coming to play the Auckland Town Hall on February the 4th. That's right, February the 4th. Do you remember the – are you old enough to remember the Venga Boys – Boss, Swinks, <laughs> Venga Boys. Yeah, well, I mean, the name Swinkles is Dutch, but please don't go thinking that I have an affinity to the Venga Boys. Do you wear clogs? Don't wear clogs. No, I don't. I don't own. Do a you pair. eat tulips? What? <laughs> Sorry, it's just one of those. Is that a thing? Yeah, no, no, no it's just me being rude. You know. <laughs> okay, well, no, fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, I was around. I was around in the in the hype of the Vinger Boys, and what was that? The late nineties. Y- yeah, yeah, late, late, lateish nineties. Yeah, all righty. Well, there you go. So the Vinger Boys uh, coming to Auckland on uh, Town Hall on February the fourth. Oh, by the way, if you are living on the west coast, batten down the hatches. A chunk of rain coming your way. Sad to say, I'm hearing between a hundred millimeters and five hundred millimeters in the next 24 hours plus high winds so I've been on the coast I've been in a flood on the west coast it's not much fun So, but you know what you, you need to do so if you are in there we are thinking of you here at SENZ down on the west coast of the South Island because some, some nasty nasty weather coming your way at 9.08 and a replay of the 2017 Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals New Zealand are again facing Fiji five years ago they upset New Zealand 4-2 and uh, Jesse Bromwich when you think about the irony of uh, playing them again it's just a crazy old world, huh? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's really crazy. Um, obviously, we didn't get the result we wanted in 2017, but you know, I think this, this team's come a real long way since then. Um, obviously, imagine the, the coaching staff has done a, a great job with with the team, and you know, we're working extremely hard over here as well. So, I look forward to a tough battle. Um, but I think um, you know, we're, we're a much improved team. Yeah, when you when you talk about improvement as a player and as the group as a whole, what improvement have you seen? Um, yes, well, since then, I think um, a lot of the boys, you know, have gone back to their clubs and have become real leaders of their clubs. Um, I just look at someone like Jerome Hughes, James Fisher Harris, Joe Tarpany, you know, all these types of fellas. They've gone back to their clubs and, and killed it for a few years now. And, you know, they just bring that confidence into the group. Um, and I think the best thing about being involved in these camps is you're surrounded by the best players. So you see them and their work ethic and, you know, you take things off them, they take things off you. And um, I think we're all heading in the right direction. Yeah, it's important you talk about going back to clubs and killing it. It's probably, it's arguably the best Kiwis team we've seen in a long, long time. Does that add pressure now? Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, we've got a a real strong belief in, in what we're doing and where we're going. 
Um, I think we've been building nicely into this tournament, but I think we've been building since 2017. Um, we've obviously been talking, you know, a lot about on this journey about where we want to get to. And like I said, I think Madge has done a great job. Um, obviously, over here, rugby league isn't isn't huge, or there's no papers and no, you know, nothing on the news. So I don't think it adds to the pressure, but you know, I think we're just heading in the right direction. How do you feel about that, sort of it not being, shall we say, considered by the media over there, a marquee event? Oh, it doesn't worry me, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, we want to be thinking about things in our circle and what we can control. You know, I think when you start thinking about um, the media and, you know, comments on social media and all that kind of stuff, it's a distraction. And I think over here, you know, we've got no distractions. Um, We're focused on the job. Um, and like I keep saying, imagine the coaching staff doing a great job, not just training us hard, but um, I think getting the group together. And, um, you know, I think we're a real tight group. And, um, yeah, I think it's actually really good to be over here and just be only focused on rugby league. Jesse, let's talk about the job against the Fijian Barty. Man, their forward pack's not bad, huh? you got uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, the Sims brothers, the Saifiti boys. you got Api Corusau in the middle there. Uh, how do you slow them down? Yeah, well, we know the Fijians are really strong um, ball carriers, um, and I've got a really crafty hooker there and uppy. So I think for us, it's about uh, making sure we get our contact right um, and just making sure we you know, keep a close eye on uppy. Um, you know, he's one of the better hookers in the game. Um, he's pretty sneaky around that, that ruck, so it's up to us in the middle to make sure we take care of uppy and just hopefully slow down their, their momentum and they get, you know, because our backs can do, they can do it. A lot of damage if we if we give them a bit of time, mate. Is is it simple as saying slow down Arpi and his ball distribution? It takes some of the punch of Kikau away. Oh well, at the start, um, you know, Billy Arpi Kikau is a, a really good player. He's a big bopper that um, you know terrorizes the edges. So I think it's up to us to you know try and limit Arpi's impact, but um, you know really put pressure on those halves that are you know giving Billy Arpi the ball. So like I said, it's a big job for us in the middle, but you know we're very clear on what we need to do, just uh, going out there and executing the game plan. You talk about execution of the game plan. What are the constant work-ons for this team? Because this is a team that does perform in tournaments as it builds. Yeah, well, for us, I think our defence has been our strength of this competition. Um, I just think that um, some of our attack. Um, needs work. Um, looks a bit, feels a bit clunky out there at the moment. But you know, we got our halfback back last week, and he was tremendous for us. And you know, he's only going to get better uh, playing alongside the spine players that we have. So, I think um, you know we've done a lot of work this week on um, on our attack. Our spine players have had a huge input on that, along with the coaching staff. And it's just about fine tuning a few things. Um, you know, as we go along, things like timing, hitting the right holes at the right time. Um, and everybody just communicating on the same level. You talk about that spine, and none of us really expected that uh, Kieran would get as much play, but he's had plenty of play. What's he added to the group this time around? Yeah, well, he's done a really good job for us, you know, up to now. Um, I think the strongest trait he has is that, you know, he's a leader. He's a leader in the team, and, and he's willing to put his body on the line for the team, and, you know, he's done that countless times, but you know, he's really versatile as well, coming on at Hoko when, when we need that. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, the, the main thing he brings is leadership, um, especially around those spine players. Obviously, we've got some 
some really young spine players, pretty inexperienced, you know, at this sort of level, and, and Kieran's got a lot of that. So he's been really good for us. Um, I look forward to, you know, finishing this, this tournament, playing alongside him. You've got to say, though, watching uh, Jerome and uh, Dylan Brown play, gee, that Dylan Brown's got beautiful feet, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be be on his team, um, you know, for once. Um, playing against him for a while now, he's only a young kid, but, yeah, geez, he's sharp when he, when he takes the line on, so... The real strength of his, you know, his running game, both of our hearts, um, and I just encourage him to do that as often as they can. We've, we've talked about the side building in this tournament. Do you think it's time to sort of uh, play the shock and awe tactic in a quarterfinal? Because the games appear to be building games, or is, Natcha, is that just not Major's style? No, no, that's not Major's style at all. You know, every week is um, really important to us. We know we've got you know, a really strong fan base back home and obviously all our families are watching. So for us, it's just about going out there and, and doing all you guys proud and all our families proud. You know, it's um, it's pretty special to be able to pull on this Kiwis jumper and, and as I get older, you know, it becomes more and more special as, you know, I get closer to the end. So I think, um, you know, we've been, we've been building mostly, like we keep saying, but I think our best is yet to come. Mate, you sound like you're hanging, hanging, the, hanging the jersey up after all of this. You've talked about being old a hell of a lot and all these young players. Is this the last one for you? <laughs> well, we'll be close to it. I'm 33 now, so it's um, you know, about time to call, to call it. But um, I'm just really, really enjoying it, uh, really soaking it all up. And I'm not sure what you know, the plan for me moving forward, but I do know that I really cherish these Kiwis jumpers and, and you know, these tours and um, spending time with all these boys. How important is it having your wife and kids over? Yeah, it's really nice. Um, it's obviously, as footy players, we all make sacrifices, and you know, it's not the hardest life to live footy. I'm not complaining or anything like that. But it's, um, you know, I've got four young kids, and, and leaving them at home um, was really tough. But you know, they're here now, and it's really exciting to see them over here. Um, they're all struggling with the jet lag at the moment, and you know, I warn them about it, but uh, I was just just awesome to see them. They're huge rugby league fans, you know, they've grown up around it all and they're just like to be over here with the Kiwi boys. Actually, when you say jet lag, what are the ages of the kids? Um, 11, 8, 4 and 10 months. So my wife did a pretty good job bringing them all over. Oh my gosh, she, she did, she did <laughs> a fine effort, but oh, they'll be grumpy, the young ones, won't they? The young girl ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a wild day for them, you know, ups and downs and trying to keep them up. So they try and use the time zone over there and they're just grumpy. So it's been an interesting day. Yeah, but such a nice a nice thing for, for you to have to, to support you going forward. Hey, we, we had some audio from Brandon Smith yesterday. He was calling everybody a pest, but I thought, hang on a minute, wouldn't he be the biggest pest <laughs> running around? Yeah, it's the pot call, calling the kettle back that one. He's... Um, a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest, with you, old Brandon Smith. But uh, but we all love being around him. Um, yeah, I think he's just he's just trying to get in first before everyone loads up on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Jesse, what's it going to be like not being around Brandon Smith, him to the Roosters, and you to the Dolphins? For me, it's something that I haven't really dealt with, and um, I'm just look. I'm excited and looking forward to the opportunity to you know do something different. You know, with a brand new club. And obviously being being coached by Wayne, it's something that, you know, really excited me. It's the opportunity to go there and, and, you know, be a leader of the club and bring some of the younger boys through. And, um, yeah, I think it does add a little bit of motivation, you know, on the turn up day one. Um, 
and earn the respect of the boys, you know, from the get-go. How much time will you have off after the World Cup before you have to get back into pre-season? Um, I think it's about, it ends up being about six or seven weeks, so plenty of time to, you know, get back to Melbourne and move all our stuff up to Brisbane with the four kids and, and the missus, so it's going to be a bit of a, a wild off-season, you know, moving everything, changing schools and obviously the Christmas period with the kids is always always important so yeah I'm looking forward to it mate that's what life's all about man hey thanks for giving us your time today go get those Fijians boy and uh, get get right under Regan Campbell Gillard's ribs buddy thank you very much for having me on appreciate it Jesse Bromwich Kiwi skipper ahead of their quarterfinal on Sunday morning at 8.30am on Spark Sport against the Fijian Bardi. Prior to that, there's an absolute cracking quarterfinal. The All-Pacifica battle between Tonga and Samoa. Excuse me, I lied. That's wrong. It's the England-Papua New Guinea match at 3.30 on Sunday morning. The Tonga-Samoa match is Monday morning at 3.30. Now, I don't know the time sucks, but that is one hell of a quarterfinal. Uh, <laughs> man... No love lost between Tonga and Samoa. Australia play Lebanon on Saturday morning at 8.30. How good's that Lebanon side, right? Making the quarterfinals, right? So there you go. Sunday morning, 8.30, New Zealand versus Fiji. Sunday morning, 3.30, England versus Papua New Guinea. Monday morning, 3.30, Tonga Samoa. And Saturday at 8.30 in the morning, it's Australia versus Lebanon. I'd love to know what you think of New Zealand's chances. Because realistically, and I'm just looking at this from afar, because we've said before here on SENZ that, you know, this New Zealand team is probably one of the best assembled in a long, long time. But then you look at what the England, English are doing, and they play well at home. They travel like poo. They're great at home. And then you've got an Australian team just purely stacked. And then you've got either Tonga or Samoa. But you'd, you'd tend to go towards Tonga, right? I th- I'm beginning to think it's a flip of the coin when it comes to the semifinals, right? So I'd like to know what you think. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Or text me on the Temper Bed Post text line 8833. Who do you think is going to go all the way and why? It's all very well to pick a team. We can all do that. But who's got the better team? Because I think there are some really strong teams. We know there's four good teams here. And I'm just, I'm starting to think, I really am starting to think that just maybe England are going to be quite tough at home, really tough at home. But the question always remains over them is do they have the class? Do England have the class to win the Rugby League World Cup? 0800 150811. And what did you make about Jesse Bromwich saying it's probably pretty much. His last Rugby League World Cup. He's coming up 33, be 37 next time around. Have a think about it. Get on the blower. 0800 150 It's 9.21. For just that, the good oil. Each Saturday from 1pm on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. 
9.26 on a Wednesday morning, November 2, 2022. All the twos, how about that? And I'm a plonker. Yeah, why am I a plonker? Because I said Regan Campbell-Gillard was in the Fijian side. He's not, he's playing for the Kangaroos. So I apologise for that. Yes, I I should have known better. Although, uh, may I be quite clear that he was originally named, he was originally named in the 33-man squad, all right? along with uh, front row Jacob Saifiti and Dragons for Tarek Sims. So just letting you know, I screwed up. So thanks for the uh, reminder there, Chris. Brent's on the line from Christchurch. G'day, buddy. Yeah, g'day, mate. Um, you can be excused for that mistake. I'll let you away with that, but never mind. Listen, I'm really looking forward to the game on uh, on Sunday morning, um, I'm, albeit with a bit of nervousness. We haven't really got a specialised kicker. Um, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us and um, I think the, um, the Kiwis hopefully will go well against the Fijians on Sunday and if they do it's going to give them a hell of a lot of confidence moving forward into the semis why, 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 why do we play the underdog tag? Why do you feel, I mean not underdog tag against uh, Fiji but why do, you, why do you have nervousness when you look at the lineup of this team? Well just from what happened in 2017. And, five years um, ago, Brent. Five years ago. Yeah, yeah. it is, it is. But uh, uh, I just hope that they, they, they can really get... I'm sure they'll, they will get up for this game, knowing what happened five years ago, <laughs> and that's gonna, that gives me a wee bit of confidence. But if it comes down to a, a close game, which uh, quarterfinals probably always w- mm. will be a close game, if it comes down to kicks, who's going to be our specialised kicker? Yeah. Jordan Rapana, I hope. Well, as you as you mean, place kicking or in play kicking? In play kicking, you know, kicking goals, that type of thing. Oh well, well, well I know what I meant by in play kicking was, you know, while there's momentum going, because you'd probably look at Dylan Brown, wouldn't you? Even or even Jerome Hughes, close to the line. I, but but yeah, you're right. Jordan Rappin is probably the the pick of the bunch when it comes to to place kicking, and we we know Chuck uh, Daryl Halligan is working hard on those boys. But it has been a slight issue, and you, and you, and you need someone. You need you know once in a while that old little forty twenty, don't you? Absolutely. And uh, I think um, the other thing too is um, I think England will be right there at the business end. They'll, they'll go right through the grand final. Wow. They've, had a, um, they've just blown teams away. And uh, if the Kiwis meet them in the, uh, um, in the, in the final, it's going to be a really hard ass to beat them over there. All right, mate. Well, so uh, my, my, heart, my heart says the Kiwis to win it, but my head says possibly going to be either England or Australia. Unfortunately. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Settle down. Okay. Now I'm picking the Kiwis to make the final, so we'll wait and see. Th- thanks for your call, Brent. We appreciate it. Time to talk to Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Stephen. Look, mate, if we can't beat Fiji, I know they've got NRL players in there as well. We don't deserve to win it. You know, I mean, the, the biggest problem I have with them is that they're up with us at the moment. Our forwards aren't running onto the football like they should be um, from, from, uh, from the get go. And also, too, Steve, our goal kicking. Uh, you, you know, when you're playing up against a guy like Australia, if Nathan Carey's playing, you know he's got to get 90%, if not 100%. We've got Jerome Hughes probably. After that, we've got Rapana. Rapana. Hmm. Rapana's, you know, he, he, he's kicked occasionally for Canberra, but he's not, he's not an 80, 80% plus. And that's what you need to win. You, everything's got to go your way. Oh. Or, you know, especially World Cups, mate. And... Yeah, I just can't see it. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit worried. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. If we beat Aussie, if we get, we, we should beat Fiji. And if we beat uh, Fiji, aren't going to be easy beats. Don't no. get me wrong. 
But if we beat, we we should be if we beat Australia, I think we'll win the World Cup. Whoever yeah, well, wins that well, game, yeah. we'll win the World Cup. Fair play, yeah, fair play. But yeah. just you know, have a little faith, mate. Have a little, I'm not. I'm a bit. I'm surprised all this nervousness around fans of the Kiwis. But no, I appreciate your thoughts, man. Have a where are you driving at the moment? Yeah, Auckland, mate. Auckland, yeah, Auckland, Steve. Working is it? Is yeah, it? Look, yeah, yeah, working, mate. Yeah, it's it's just I, I have got faith. It's just that you know I'm realistic, and and what I've seen in the Kiwis, um, I'm a little bit worried, you know, and and so we should be. I mean, you know, you know, as I said, uh, the the Aussies are the hurdle we've got to get over. Yeah, for me, and, and it's a rather large hurdle. Thanks for your call, Joe. I appreciate your thoughts, man. 0800 left. If you have more thoughts on what you think the Kiwis might be able to do at this Rugby League World Cup, Sunday morning, 8.30 in their quarterfinal against the Fijian Bar. It's 9.31. Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. That's what it's all about. Having a good time. Don't stop me now. One of my faves from Queen. i got to say, I am a Queen guy. You know, what was the movie, uh, Mike Myers, uh, the movie with Ed Queen, you know, the original movie? I, oh, come on. What was the movie? You, you know this one with that head bashing in the car. What was Oh, the, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. I was of a Wayne's World sort of guy. Now, not as... That's a great scene, by the way. That's a great scene. Well, me and my mate, Murray and Kane, used to drive Kane's... Ford Cortina, two-door Cortina with a T-bar manual shift around Putaradu blasting Queen out. So I have a real connection with, with Queen and, and Wayne's World. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, excellent party time, 9.34. If you want to talk about the Rugby League World Cup, we've had Jesse Bromwich on now who has said they are building, they feel good. He's going to probably call time on his international career after this one. But they face Fiji this coming Sunday morning. And you want to be the caller of the month as well. Because if you are the caller of the month, you can win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill Barbecue. Oh, my gosh. 0800-150811. Why do you think the Kiwis can go all the way? Why do you think the Kiwis can go all the way? 0800 150 and I'd rather you have a call because then you go on the draw to win that Oklahoma Joe's blackjack charcoal. <laughs> Say it. And I always say that slowly and I still struggle. Oklahoma Joe's blackjack charcoal kettle grill. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 It's 9.35. We are going to be talking to cricket commentator Daniel McCarty after 10 o'clock this morning. And here's something that will shock you. I sat down and watched the cricket last night and even made lots of notes about comparisons and where everybody was and what was going on. And I was quite surprised because when I looked at the, new, at the 15th over, let's go to the 15th over, Stephen, and Bolt was bowling to England. They were at the end of the 15th. Uh, they were 125 for two, England, and Butler had just hit to, in the 14th, had hit, made his 50 off 35 balls. So in the 15th over for the New Zealand innings, we were at 123 for three. So there was nothing in it except one wicket. 
and yet we failed to get there, which wasn't surprising in the end when you looked at the way uh, Curran and Wood were bowling for England. Curran took two for 26 and Wood two for 33. That young Curran, man, they, 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 have got, they have got some gas, do they not? Actually, I'll tell you a team that's got gas right now, and I mean real gas, and that's the Breakers. They are running at 6-2 and two at the moment. They are top of the table on points differential, and they've got a top-of-the-table clash against the Sydney Kings this Sunday at Spark Arena. Their coach, Modi Mayor, came out and said, we are just scratching the surface. How much more is there to scratch, Modi? Hey, Stephen, how are you? Yeah, good, man. How much more well, of the surface is there to scratch? Scratched. Come on. A lot, a lot. <laughs> this is a very new team. Um a lot of young players. Well, I mean, the results have been fine, but we're far from where we want to be from an execution standpoint on both sides of the ball. Man, um, I'm I'm so grateful that when we I last spoke to you, you said I want to build this team around defense, and you've got the best defense running around. You're averaging, you're conceding, uh, which is a bit scary because it was Halloween yesterday. Uh, it was per- would have been too perfect to talk to you then. It's sixty six point six points a game. How, how, how who who are you looking at as being the rocks now in your D, and who are you really happy with? I'm I'm very happy with the collective effort. You you cannot have a good defense without having five players on a string, a uh, group working as a unit. Defense is not an individual accomplishment. Um, we're lucky, and I'm lucky and fortunate to have a lot of very good defenders, and each bring kind of their own thing. Isaiah, Barry, Jarrell, Derek, Cam, Will, everybody. Um, it doesn't work without everyone. You You've come off a weekend where you beat the – 36 is by 29, the Jack Jumpers by 32. Would you have believed going to the weekend you would have walked away with those two dubs? I always believe we have a chance every in every game we go to. Um, if you would ask me to bet if we're going to win uh, in this margin, then my answer would be no. Uh, those are two very good teams. Uh, Adelaide is a contender. Tazzy is a finalist from last year. Um, games kind of take on their own shape. Every game develops differently and our defense was very steady in both, and we were able to make our threes and then go on a little bit of a run, but uh, yeah, I'm happy with the results. Modi, when you look at the Kings coming to town, they're 6-2 and two as well. Uh, shutting down Xavier Cooks, how important is that? Extremely. Um, one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. We're talking about the defending champions. They have a lot more than just Cooks. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great challenge for us. Yeah, so so what's, what is the mindset going to? I get the impression that you're, you, you're one of these coaches that – won't change things too much regardless of who you're playing. Am I close there? You mean from a tactical standpoint? From a, from a mental standpoint. My apologies, yeah. Um, from a, The way we approach the game is always going to be the same. Um, the level of intensity, the level of competitiveness, doesn't matter if you're playing at the first team in the league or the last. This is the NBL. Every team can beat any team at any given night. As far as changes go, I mean, the biggest one is that we have Tom back. Um, which is great. It's great for us, and it's great for Tommy. Um, but this is also, like, like every change, it can go in different ways. And there's you know, a little bit of a change, a shift in the rotation, a little bit of shift in minutes, a little bit of shift in role, and it's something for everyone to adjust to. Does Tom start or off the bench? That's a good question. <laughs> wow. Should we play a bit of poker on that? <laughs> poker on that. <laughs> let, let's try this again. Hey, Modi, does Tom start or does he come off the bench? Who? <laughs> hey, uh, Modi, talk to me about the injury. I mean, what specifically was stopping him? We know he got the eye injury, but what specifically was stopping him from traveling? 
Yeah, so let's uh, let's be honest about this question about Tom. It really is now is the first week that Tommy's been able to integrate into training just because we didn't really have practice before and yeah. he's been kind of out. So we need to see where he is. We need to see how he feels. We need to see how comfortable he is. This is a different kind of injury to come back from. Uh, his eyesight hasn't been good for a long time and wow. this affects a lot of things in basketball, not just shooting, balance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we'll need to wait and see. The reason he can't fly is because there are still gas particles in his eye oh. and the change of pressure with flying will actually make them combust and then he will lose his eyesight. Oh, so no flying. Oh. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of where it is. It's a weird little injury. It's not something that uh, we have a lot of experience with, so we're definitely erring on the side of caution in regards to anything. And yesterday was his first practice. It was great. I love having him on the floor. Uh, we'll see how he goes today. <laughs> He's, you know, you're talking off the bench. Yeah, you, you're just you're pushing me in that direction. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna leave it there. All right. So when we when we talk tactics against the the Sydney Kings, how do you, how are you going to approach them? Do you do you go all out? We always go all out. It's kind of our mo. Um, everything for us starts from defense. Our defense has its fundamentals, its tenets. It's not something that shifts and changes. Uh, from every game, you can tinker with the edges, you can adjust the scout and etc. But if you want to be, in my opinion, if you want to be a good defensive team, you need to have kind of your own foundation, uh, and that's what we'll do. And things must be really good in the camp, Marty. I mean, momentum. I'm a great believer that momentum is a is a huge motivator. Well, I'll take your word for it, and I hope you're right. Um, for me, I think everything brings a challenge for a new team. You know. Winning has its own challenges, and losing has its own challenges, and playing a lot of games has its challenges, and then not playing for a week has its challenges. So this is a new kind of group and a lot of young players that are adjusting to what being a, like learning and growing on the job. And every one of these things puts me in a situation where I feel we need to learn from and grow, and will help us down the road. All right. Well, don't take my word for it, mate, because I never played basketball. So you're killing me when you throw that one back at me. But hey, uh, you're the coach. You're six and two, and that's a, that's a good way. And I know that, that success brings crowds, and the fans love it at Spark. So go get them, Kings, mate. Uh, we'll try. Thank you very much. Thanks, Modi. Modi Mayor, coach of the Breakers, six and two. <laughs> wow! Wow! I'll take your word for it, Logan. Why would he was? He is a different coach mm-hmm. to the one I spoke to about. It must have been a month ago, right before they start of the season. He was open, and you know this is cool. And now it's like, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm giving li- you, I'm giving you nothing, MacIver. Yeah, don't play poker with him. You are not coming out <laughs> with any. Chips left on their table. <laughs> I was uh, screwed. I, lo- <laughs> Modi Mayor is low key, what, probably one of my favorite coaches in New Zealand right now. One, but he is so laser focused. But again, yeah, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't have to. He just tells it like it like it is. He's mm. got a job. He knows what he needs to do. And I mean, so far, I mean, it's it's out there on the court. He's doing a great job turning this team around from being last in the league <sighs> to all of a sudden first. And, and, and but he's literally well, he hasn't literally. I've got to stop using that. My kids use the word literally all the time. I'm saying, why are you why are you using with literally? It's, it's either happened or it hasn't happened. The Tom Abercrombie situation, right? Mm. Ooh. Exploding eye in the air. Didn't, yeah. didn't didn't like the idea of that. Yeah, that was a that was a visual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it just. But he also made it quite clear. That's an injury that's not not fully done, but he's back. 
it was almost a mixed message in a funnier way because you're not going to play someone that's you know eighty percent. But he's, he was on the floor yesterday. He was in practice. Uh, well, he's. He, I got the impression at the end of that conversation they'll come off the bench just to see and and things will be determined in the practice sessions up until game day. Yeah. What, you're the basketball guru. <laughs> what do you yeah. think happens? Yeah, no, I think you're on the right track there. I don't oh, thanks. I, I don't see Abercrombie starting in this one. It it is such a difficult and it's it's a weird injury to come back from because <laughs> I mean, you know, we know about muscles, we know about joints and all that sort of stuff. Eyes that's something different. Oh, that I mean, if you get it wrong, you know, like I said, I mean, he could lose his eyesight, and that that is terrible. So uh, okay, so so here, here's here's a question: Does does Emma Crombie play with you know glasses, those protective oh, glasses, yes. yeah. or the mask, or the mask? Potentially, yeah. No, the mask would look silly. It does look silly. The glasses I can handle, but not the big mask. It's not Halloween. You want you want the nineties look, don't you? <laughs> I want that. <laughs> Yeah, bring back the nineties, but preferably the eighties. Yeah, well, Kareem Abdul Abdul-Jabbar had those 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 glasses in the eighties. So if he can do it, then uh, big big time Abercrombie can. Well, it'll be interesting. But top of the table clash on Sky Sports Sunday, four pm, Spark Arena. Breakers six and two, Kings six and two, and Tom Abercrombie is back. But will it be starting or will it be off the bench? You'll just have to watch and find out. It's nine forty-five. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.50 on a Wednesday morning with Stephen McIver coming your way after 10. We go to talk to Daniel McCarty, SENZ cricket commentator, who called the game last night at the Gabba, which was a really cool game to watch. Admittedly, I only lasted till the 17th over of the chase. Uh, by New Zealand because I had to uh, get up early, and that's and I'm not a, I'm not a great early riser. In fact, uh, Logan had to ring me up and say, "Mate, mate, we've got an interview in 40 minutes." I went, "Yep, I'm moving," and it was a quick it was a quick job. So coming your way after 10, uh, we're going to talk cricket, and also there will be the panel with Andrew Gordy and David Long. So stay with us here on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.56, talking cricket with Daniel McCarty after 10. Here's the Black Caps' unsuccessful chase last night at the Gabba. Moeen Ali goes around the wicket tour and he's beaten through the air again. The bales are off and they'll go upstairs for a stumping chance. Slick work from Butler, but that did spin. And his back leg was on the move, Conway. Back foot is up, it's back over the line. Has he got it down in time? I'm not sure, Grant. Oh, it's so close. I think he does. He's got it down. Some cam tells us. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's got his foot down, but what a moment. Here is a scoop attempt. It's clubbed and taken brilliantly by Butler. What a catch that is. Sensational stuff. I'm loving it. That's a Macca's moment. Big, big moment in the game. Wokes bowling to Allen comes down the wicket and drags it to Deepman. Wicket man coming around. Doesn't take the catch. It goes through his hands and over the rope. I think 4-6. Moves in again. He bowls short. Pull. Uppishly. No control. Catch will be taken. Allen departs. Or by Stokes. Using all his skills that over Sam Curran. He did. Allen goes for 16. Concentration. He peers through his grill. Looks at uh, Wood bowling over the wicket. Half volley on his pads. And he's tucked that one away. Down to the fence for four. Lovely stroke. Wood just struggling with his line. And Williamson is... He tries to loft one. Into the cover. Richard Moen Ali 
has dropped it. I kid you not, Moen Ali has dropped an absolute sitter. It balloons no more than three metres beyond the 30 metre circle. His teammate at point had stopped and almost celebrated. Moen Ali's missed it altogether and it's just gone straight into his stomach. His wood. It over long on. What a shot that is from Glenn Phillips. Hit high into the crowd and it's beautifully taken by that man in blue. But Glenn Phillips, what a stroke, picking it up and launching Wood back over his head. He gets a short one and he pulls high over deep forward square leg for six runs. Oh, I'm loving it. That's a Macca's moment right out of the middle of that big Glenn Phillips bat. He goes fuller, slog, sweep, out of here, almost into the second tier. Phillips is on a tier. Williamson. Backs away, chops one to short though Bannon is taken. Good catch, slow down of Il Rashid. I can't be giving grief to the English fielding, but that's a smart catch. And the New Zealand captain goes, caught Rashid, bold Stokes for 40. Nisham waits, it's a short one, he pulls high, I'm not sure he's got enough of this. Fort Lee coming in, it's Curran, he takes it, it celebrates. Punts his fist, runs to a teammate for an embrace. And the dangerous James Nisham departs. He moves in. Number 19 on his back. He bowls to Mitchell or hits him down the ground. Is it long enough? Don't think so, because Jordan is there to take the catch. Two hands just inside the rope. Mitchell goes. And life entering the body of England at this T20 World Cup. 131 for the loss of five now at the end of the 17th over. Curran now bowling to the danger man, Phillips, who hits him high, long, not long enough, surely. Long on's coming in to take the catch. Jordan's got two catches in the deep. Glenn Phillips goes, and with it, New Zealand's chances departs two. Yeah, 159 for six, chasing 180. Curran, two for 26, Wood, two for 33. Daniel McCarty, the voice of our cricket commentary last night, joins me after 10 here on Mornings with Smithy, here on SENZ. On SENZ. Wednesday morning, it's a wild Wednesday morning. If you don't recognise that song, it was out of Talladega Nights when, when old uh, our boy was doing so well and they got out there and they were strutting up on the stage for the driver introductions. Oh yeah, mm. and he ain't first, you last. It's 10.04, this is Stephen McIver in for Smithy till midday today, 0800 150 is the number, 0800 150 or text me on the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Still to come before 11 o'clock this morning, we have the panel with Andrew Gordy, leave your phone alone Stephen, and also David Long, and right now it's Daniel Riccardi, our SNZ cricket commentator. Uh, you would have had enough sleep, right, to have a chat about this, have you? 
Oh, enough, Stephen, to get by. Yep. Um, a bit of shake and bake I'm looking for. <laughs> Still one of my fave movies, i got to say it. I, I, I lasted until the, like, the 17th over the New Zealand, the New Zealand chase. Um, that was, oh, it's a long time since I've sat down and made notes, looked at a game, going, wow, this, this, is, this is all right cricket. But what scared me most of all was how efficient England were. Yeah, especially with the ball, um, probably less so in their field by their pretty uh, darn high standards. Uh, there were a couple of little mischances uh, from uh, England. I'm thinking of the drop, catch oh. Moeen Ali oh, to yeah. Glenn Phillips, which is quite staggering. I'm, I'm not sure if all of our listeners have seen a replay of it, but like, if it goes down in an under-10s game, you're yeah, probably shaking your head. Something you and I um, would do. So, <laughs> yeah, so, slice of luck there in New Zealand. But they're a very professional outfit. Um, you know, Mark Wood bowls Thunderbolts. Uh, Chris Wokes is very good bowling in the power play and at the death. Uh, they got spin options with Livingston, a third spin option. They actually did a good job. So I, I wouldn't say they're the most threatening attack. They don't swing the ball prodigiously early, but they, they don't give you much. And when you've got a score defending 179 as they had on the board, it was always going to be difficult. And, and you pro- I think you made it probably a, a good uh, decision to walk away because it did look like New Zealand were out of the running with uh, three, three overs remaining, especially once Phillips departed for, for another fine hand. OK, OK. So this is not a criticism. This is an observation. But, gee, the, the skipper, Kane Williamson, just a bit slow on the get-go, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. It's something um, myself and Grant Elliott have talked about ad nauseum on our program on a Saturday. We're, we're genuinely concerned um, about his position in the batting lineup. Is number three the most appropriate spot for this player? Who, let's be frank, is a wonderful world-class test oh, cricketer and one-day international player, but you just look at the raw numbers and um, you know people might see this as a criticism, but when I suggest over the last two calendar years, um, you know, from the start of 2021, um, in 22 T20 internationals, the strike rate's about 115, uh, Stephen. And, and unfortunately, that's just not good enough at this level. You look at you look at the England batting lineup, which is just dynamic, mm. up top to tail. Everyone has a strike rate of 130. Um, Darwin Milan, um, who was their specialist number three, who works the ball around. Well, he didn't come out to bat because of the platform laid. Um, he came in at number eight or nine and only got one ball right at the end. So they have a little bit more flexibility and maybe a little bit more guts to make a call uh, in-game. And, you know, the New Zealand captain has uh, sucked up a lot of balls so far in this tournament and his strike rate is just 93. Um, maybe, maybe I'm hoping that, uh, you know, time in the middle will, will, will help him sort of release the shackles for these, um, you know, essentially elimination games. Uh, tell, me, tell me if this was a significant figure. By the 17th over... The English had bowled 35 dot balls. Yep, it, it, it always is a significant number um, of the dot balls. I just thought that's a uh, lot of dot our, balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Especially on a wicket that, that show, England even showed it, that um, you had to get really in uh, to get set to, to find the boundary. Um, in their late uh, stages of their innings, when uh, the wicket started to tumble as they chased a really big score, a lot of players came and went, and we saw that with the New Zealand innings. In fact, there's, there's a mirror image as far as the middle to, to lower order. There were just two scores of substance in the England mm, uh, that's innings. That's correct, yeah. Um, two half centuries. Hales was excellent um, in the opening six overs. He really led the way, and once he was gone, it was um, Joss Butler taking over the man of the match display. And 
when I look back at the game, Stephen, if, if we're crunching numbers and pulling out little segments yeah. of the game, I probably reflect on the, the power play, New Zealand with the ball. There was slices of luck going England's way. Hales, I, I can't believe, still didn't get bowled um, in that first over <laughs> oh, God, uh, yes. by Trent Bolt. Um, but but overall, I think England finished 48 without loss. So that's, that's no correct. wicket. Good, good, good run rate. New Zealand this year in 2022 have been quite superb with the white ball in the opening six overs. They've been averaging 2.3 wickets a game. Uh, so they're knocking off the top. And uh, England uh, were afforded that luxury to, to then be able to roll the die, bring some players who, who look for the boundary uh, more often than not. Um, so I, I think if New Zealand match up against England again, they're going to have to find a way to yeah. at least get one, two, if not more, on that, in, the, in the opening six. Yeah. When you break it down, I was thinking about this when, when you were talking about it. You know, 48 for without loss after the power play, the first six overs, right? That's, that's England. But f- funnily enough, despite it looking like they were grinding their teeth, New Zealand were only down two and they had scored 40 runs. And then you go to the 15th over, I use this as a comparison, going because of the way uh, two significant batters for England played, you know, Josh Butler 73 off 47. You know, by the 15th over, the English were 125 for two. New Zealand were 123 for three. So I, I saw... Yeah, Sorry, Stephen. That was after a massive over. Glenn Phillips uh, taking to Adil yeah. Rashid, hitting him for consecutive sixes over the midwicket region. Um, but uh, but the, but the, but the, but the numbers through. are there, Daniel. Right? I mean, the numbers were there. That the fact that the Black Caps couldn't get on with it. You know, they they were well in the hunt, well in the hunt, and then uh, Phillips get, goes. You know. Yeah, we, we described the the Mark Wood over when he uh, picked up a wicket and conceded just three runs. It's really a game-defining match. You're so right. It was uh, well-positioned. It was 50-50 on the win uh, predictor. Um, and uh, Grant described in the next three overs, uh, this game is going to be determined. And lo and behold, Mark Wood came out and bowled an absolute beauty. Uh, and credit to him, uh, his genuine pace. Gee, he's, um, he's, some, he's frightening. He bowled the fastest ball of the tournament last night, I think at 155 Ks. No, thank you very much, I say to that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there you go. Back to that um, you know, professional performance from England. They were able to turn to a guy on a, on a wicket that... Uh, it was interesting hearing Alex Hales and both Joss Butler, who got half centuries, describe it as not your traditional gabber wicket. It wasn't really coming onto the bat. It was a little bit too paced. So just to that point of uh, when players uh, got in, they, they needed to make the most of it. And Joss Butler did that. He batted through to the 19th over. Uh, and that was hugely important. Um, at one end, while England were losing wickets, uh, they had one player at the other who was able to maintain a decent scoring rate, and ultimately they finished 20 runs a year. If you're the Black Caps, were you concerned that your team has got punted around? Southey, one for 43, Bolt, none for 40, Ferguson, two for 45. Would that be of a concern? Or, I mean, we, we can't predict what their mindset was going to this one, knowing their, their net run rate was stronger. Uh, no, I'd I, I probably take a, a wider sort of brief when I assess the New Zealand bowlers. Um, I, I thought they were really encouraging signs from Lockie Ferguson. I thought it's probably the slowest of the New Zealand bowlers to get into the, his work this tournament. I thought his death overs, uh, the last two in particular, very, very good. Southey uh, was tapped uh, quite heavily in one over, uh, but they pulled it back quite nicely. This is a very good New Zealand bowling lineup. In fact, they're a bowling side more than a batting side, I would argue. Uh, and you look at the efforts of uh, Mitchell Santner and uh, Isodi. They were excellent. In fact, they brought in Mitchell Santner, I think, to the fourth over of the innings. Uh, that was designed really to attack Alex Hales, who was flying at that stage. 
um, after really um, you know licking his chops and taking a liking to Tim Southey in the third over, Be- because the numbers uh, backed it up that um, prior to the game uh, it struggled to get Santner away. Santner's got him out twice uh, before in T20 cricket. Make that three. Oh, I've just dropped the headset. Bear with me. I'm back now. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's now three times as he uh, picked him up stump. So I, I'm not all that worried about the bowling. I, I'm, I, I worry about this New Zealand side. Um, if they have to chase another total of, say, around 180, I think if they can set targets of 160, their bowling lineup is going to make it very difficult for any side. Um, so it's, it's now about responding, uh, getting the job done against Ireland. I know Ireland did beat England, and there'll be you know some masochistic New Zealand cricket fans out there probably thinking the worst. But, but I would argue if New Zealand uh, can't beat Ireland, they don't deserve to make it through to the semi-final. So you take a win by one run, um, and that probably should still be enough because I spent hours poring over the, the numbers here, Stephen, because it's going to go to net run rate. And what I mean by hours, um, I've basically stolen this <laughs> off Crick Info. Thanks very much to them. Uh, even if New Zealand win by one run, Australia will have to win by around 152 runs. Oh, my gosh. To go past New Zealand on net run rate, while England by um, 95 runs, of course. But if New Zealand slip up against Ireland, well, they need one of England or Australia to lose their games against uh, Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, respectively. And, and, and here's, and, my and, big, here's my big tip. Okay. Australia's going to burgle their way into the semifinals. It's just written in the stars for me. Um, and, and the thing that uh, decided, it, and I need to probably check on this today, but Rashid Khan, the Afghanistan league spinner, the only real threat um, I see in their bowling lineup, limped off in the last over of the game against Sri Lanka yesterday. So I can just see Australia rolling over the top of Afghanistan and somehow, some way, sneaking into the semi final. And who would want to play them in a knockout game at home? No one in their right mind. So it would be it would be New Zealand, Australia in the semis. No, they no, they don't they don't play them. They they swap it over on the groups, don't they? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, right, just right, one yeah. one final thought. You talk about us being uh, the the New Zealand side being a bowling lineup. Finn Allen versus Guptill. After last night, I'd say isn't it about time the Gupster came back. No. Wow. Why not? No. Uh, because I, I think uh, Alan showed in game number one what he's capable of. I, I look at Martin Guptill as a player who needs a few balls to get into his lineup, uh, get into his work. And then it, it's not, it, this is nothing against Martin Guptill. No, no, it's no. more how the New Zealand top order is constructed. Uh, you've got Devin Conway. Uh, you've got Kane Williamson, sort of, you know, touch players. Uh, who's 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 someone that can go at a, a screaming rate to, to you know to give you real impetus um, in the power play? I still think Allen's probably the best bet. Uh, Martin Guptill's best work in Australia has traditionally come in, in one day cricket, uh, so I, I would still stick with that uh, lineup of of Allen up the top. This is becoming a power play World Cup. There's been so many wickets in the power play. Uh, and if you can get off to a flyer, a la what we saw against Australia, remember that New Zealand was so far ahead of the game after six overs, Australia were never really in it. So uh, I, I still like a bit of a, a, attacking a, a mm. intent of that opening six overs. You fight fire with fire, and uh, hopefully it comes off. Maybe it's my conservative nature, Daniel. All right, we'll go, go get a... Well, go, he's been get, a great servant of New Zealand cricket, that's why, isn't he? he oh, he, I, I just... So well I, no, I just, I just think, Daniel, when, you, when you're in a position where you need a settled head, 
and that's taking nothing away from Phelan, but you know he's got run. Excuse the bad cliche. He's got runs on the board. He understands, you know, the the the, the mental game of cricket very well, uh, Martin Gupton. I just think, and you know what he can do. And maybe it's just one knock he needs to get his confidence back. And and in a tournament like this, you probably want someone settled. But I, I also like your attitude about the – I love your attitude about the Power Play World Cup. So, hey, we'll just wait and see. Mate, nice call last night. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Anytime, Stephen. Shake and bake. Have a good day. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. All right, it's 10.17. Voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, 10.22 on a Wednesday morning with Stephen McCarver. Uh, Brad says, Stephen, do you wake up in the morning and piss excellence? Well, I try. Let's leave it at that. Time for the panel. <laughs> I love me a fan of Talladega Nights, baby. Uh, Andrew Gordy, good morning to you. How's the head after the Melbourne Cup? Uh, I'm fine, thank you, Stephen. I'm very well. Yep, all good. Yeah, right. That is that is the biggest lie. How quietly <laughs> you were talking, David Long. Good morning to you. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> Gordy, what what time did you get into bed this morning? Oh, look, it's not about that, is it, Stephen? Yes, it you is. Know, it's it's completely day. about that. Good day. <laughs> oh, look, we. You know, I think we did a twelve to twelve sort of um, oh. session yesterday. So, but no, we're we're all right, mate. We're all right. We're up and about. What? Go get the kids to school, mate. Well, no one else is going to do it. I'm, that's, that's my job. Okay, get the get the put the violin away. Let's talk about your Melbourne Cup. Ex- <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about your Melbourne Cup experience. Did you pick the winner? Did you anyone in the top three? Yeah, no, I, I did. I did have a bet on the winner. Um, I must admit, he was he certainly Gold Trip wasn't my first selection, but uh, no, I did have something. This is the thing with the Melbourne Cup, Mac. It's, it's not like uh, what. Well, if you're having a bet on the race, it's not like betting on any other race. Like most most hunters, I suppose, they'd, they'd bet on one horse. I don't think you can do that in the Melbourne Cup. Um, yeah, I think I think you've got to back about four horses in the Melbourne Cup. I'm not saying you need to put a, put as much money on each of them, but mm. it's such a wide open race, and it's it's very very hard to pick um, just just one possible contender because every year, I mean, it's, it, it is a nightmare to pick. But um, look, I thought it was a fantastic race. Um, it was it was a brilliant race to watch. I especially enjoyed the uh, the move from Knight's Order heading into the home straight. I thought you know dashing for the lead really changed the shape of the race and, and probably played into Gold Trip's hands. Um, but a worthy winner, and especially carrying the top weight, you know, carrying mm. fifty seven and a half kilos to win a win a Melbourne Cup is a phenomenal effort. Great training performance from Kieran Maher and Dave Eustace, um, and especially for a horse that is French. Australia with a. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a, it's a French horse, yep. And, and look, um, you know, overseas horses have had a great record in this race, particularly in recent years. But Gold Trip's actually been in Australia for, for a good couple of years now. It came down to Australia with a big reputation that it was going to win a Cox Plate a couple of years ago. It hadn't quite delivered on that, and it was almost becoming this, I won't say it was a joke, but it was like this horse that came down with a big reputation went into the Melbourne Cup yesterday with only one uh, win in its entire career. Um, but then it goes out and produces something like that. And, and I think the other really interesting thing is, you know, traditionally, uh, most people would, uh, who, who have any sort of vague following of the Melbourne Cup, they would know that traditionally the Caulfield Cup has been like a, an interesting sort of build-up race for the Melbourne Cup. You know, you often hear about horses, 
you know, especially, you know, sort of 10, 20 years ago, looking to do the Caulfield Melbourne Cup double, it was seen as a key lead-up race. I don't think you can say that anymore because for the last two years, the winner of the Melbourne Cup has come out of the Cox Plate. And, and that's almost now becoming a bit of, a bit of form reference, I suppose, uh, for the Melbourne Cup. And um, again, it's a phenomenal training performance because Gold Trip raced in uh, the Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate and the Melbourne Cup. Like, boy, that horse has done some work. So a very deserving winner. Yep, first time French horse has won in 99 years in the Melbourne Cup. Did you end the day up or down? Oh, we were up, Mac. We were up. Yeah, we had a good day. <laughs> and how the hell did Nikki Styrus on the AM show pick Gold Trip? Oh, she's been. Oh, she I, made I the most of it. She, of course, she. Uh, of course, she sent us the uh, the, the winning ticket. Uh, she made sure she texted that through to the the boys that I was watching with. So fair play to Nikki, though. Like, what, that's, uh, that's a tremendous tip. Hey, what did she bank? Just quietly, what did she bank? Oh no, I can't, we can't go into that. Was it was it was it a substantial amount? It was, it was enough to buy you a coffee. Uh, all right, mate. Uh, David Long, I haven't forgotten about you <laughs> uh, because your, your compatriots, uh, your, the, old, the old blighty, uh, won the World, World Cup T20 game last night. What did you make of England's performance? It was a very solid performance, wasn't it? It was uh, superb um, batting from them at the beginning um, and, uh, you know, a really good win that, that England needed, I think, to sort of keep their hopes alive. Um uh, just Butler, who's, who's had a fantastic sort of run of, of, um, of innings against New Zealand. He's going back to the Test matches earlier this year in England, and um, he was again he was he was sensational last night for for England. Um, it's interesting. I mean, the whole the whole group now is is incredibly tight. Um, it looks like Black Cap should still make it through, given because of their better um, nice uh, run, net right. run rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's going to be a crucial thing now. So, I mean, you'd imagine that they're going to be ironed, um, or although they didn't, but um, you'd think they'll come through from that, and then it's going to be pretty close to see who's going to come through out of Australia or, or England for that second place in that pool. Well, I just spoke to Daniel McCarty. He's, he's been spending hours on uh, Crick Info, and he reckons Australia have got to beat uh, Afghanistan by something like 153 runs to actually make it through, uh, which, which is bonkers. It is, it is. Um, I mean, um, I, I guess Australia would always want to back themselves. But I mean, even even in 2020, that, that, that does seem too much to, to do it. I mean, you've still got a, um, who, oh, England have got um, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka, haven't they? So that could be, you know, that could be a tough one for them as well. And I, I think do they need to need, need to win that one to yep. make sure they go yep. through? Yeah, they, they do. So, they yeah, do. So, that's going, to be, that's going to be the crucial one, really, I think, isn't it? It's a win-in-your-in situation, uh, Gordy, but uh, there, was a, there was bits to like about there were bits to like about the Black Caps, but I, I asked Daniel McCartney, and, and he is of the same leaning, that they've got to get better and quicker production out of Kane Williamson. Yep, uh, yes. Yeah, the short answer to that question is, is yes. Um, and look, I, I, there's a lot of rumblings at the moment, isn't there? And they're rumblings that we've heard before about Kane Williamson and, and exactly what he's bringing to this Black Caps T20 unit. Uh, for me personally, like I, I understand the criticism that he's, his tempo can be a bit sedate at times, but you've also seen Kane Williamson do it time and time again in this format as well. He's not, he, but because he's not the type of player like a Josh Butler, like a Glenn Phillips, who's just blasting it about. I still think there are times when you absolutely need a player like Kane Williamson in your batting lineup. So I just think it would be utter madness um, to bin the guy. I mean, it's not going to happen at this World Cup anyway. Um, but I think going forward, he, he still brings immense value. The only other point I was going to make about this, this T20 World Cup, and, and look, Daniel's right, there are, 
There are certainly parts of the Black Cats game that need to improve. You could say that about every team in this in this World Cup. I, I think there is no uh, country, no team at the moment that is a clear standout performer at this World Cup. It is it is wide open uh, and there for the taking, not only for the Black Cats but for for just about any of those. Um, nations who are obviously in contention to reach the semi-finals. I think we might end up with a semi-final lineup, and you might look at it and go, any one of these four teams could win it. Yeah, I, I got to say just briefly, David, I, I thought England uh, gave me a touch of the nerves because New Zealand are a very, very good team, and the way they were composed and how they did the job was impressive. That's right, and I think the, one of the strengths about, uh, about the England side is the depth they've got through that team. There's no sort of, you know, you look at the, who they can put out there from 1 to 11. There's no sort of weak links. Anyone can, they can bat, they can bat deep. They, um, you know, they've got quite a lot of options um, with, the, with who, who they used to bowl. Um, I mean, I might be biased. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an out-and-out English supporter, but, I, you know, if I was to pick anybody to win, I would say, um, I would probably perhaps say England at this point, even though they have, do have a tough game against Sri Lanka coming up. All right, well, let's leave it at that, boys. It's coming up to half past ten. Uh, Sadly, heads run rugby league uh, after the news, boys. Uh, we'll be talking the Kiwi Ferns and the Kiwis. So stay with the panel right here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy from Stuff, David Long, Andrew Gordy from Stuff, Andrew Gordy from News Hub, David Long from Stuff. Let's start with Rugby League because David loves his Rugby League. Uh, Let's talk about the Kiwi Ferns. Do you feel like their Rugby League World Cup campaign has been sort of uh, fairly covered considering the uh, Rugby League, sorry, the Rugby Union World Cup is on with the Black Ferns? Yeah, I think it's interesting when you've got... um you know, if you look at the moment, we've got the All Blacks, the Black Ferns, the Kiwis and the Kiwi Ferns all sort of involved in matches at the moment and, well, all about to be involved in matches. And unfortunately, the Kiwi Ferns really do seem to have really slipped underneath the radar where um, there's been, you know, um, not much coverage of them. I mean, unfortunately, stuff decided not to send anybody to the to the World Cup and so, so did the New Zealand Herald as well. So, you know, it's limited about how much stuff you're going to see, unfortunately. Um but, How many people did um, stuff send to the uh, to follow the All Blacks? To so the All Blacks toy at the moment, and we're not sending anybody to that either. Wow! No. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, that's just I guess that's part of the way the times are these days. But um, in terms of the Kiwi Ferns at the World Cup, I think um, you know I think they've got a very good chance of of, um, of making a final. Obviously, the, the Gillaroos go into it as the red hot favourites. Um, but I wouldn't discount the Kiwis. I mean, Ricky Henry's a, a very astute coach, as you, as you would know, Stephen. And, um, you know, he's got some very talented players in that, in that team. Um, one of the things that does sort of annoy me about the men and women's rugby league world cups is about how the draws, uh, I don't know if rigged is, is too strong a word, but it's certainly been organised so that England have the best chance of making the final of both of them. I mean, if you look at, um, the women's world cup when New Zealand, the Kiwi Ferns will play um, they play Australia in the pool game and then England in the semi-finals. So that gives us, you know, England the easiest way to, to play Australia in the final. And then if you look at the, the Men's Rugby League World Cup, um, the England will get a nice, easiest uh, quarter-final game against um, uh, Papua New Guinea. And then England have a Tonga or Samoa in the semi-finals, probably, whereas Australia and and New Zealand play each other in the semi-finals. So, oh, I love so it! I love, a, I love a good conspiracy theory for, for, <laughs> from you, David. Well, do you see it the same? Do you see it the same way, uh, Gords? 
Just in terms of the Kiwi ferns going under the radar? Yeah, please. I'd like to go there because I, I yeah. we, we discussed this this morning, Andrew, and, and we thought, well, maybe the fact that uh, the black ferns have such large characters in their team, right? The Porsche Woodmans, the Ruby Tuis, and, and that rugby gets so much coverage that really the, the Kiwi ferns are just, you know, you know, fodder at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, look, what I would say about that, Mac, and, and I know you've already sort of touched on this, but there is a lot of sport on at the moment, right? We've got a Women's World Cup on home soil, and I think that's mm. a really important point to, yep. to hammer home here. It's, it's on home soil, so yeah, there is inevitably going to be more coverage around uh, the Women's World Cup than you perhaps might ordinarily have for a, a Women's Rugby World Cup, right? Yep. Uh, as you say, we've also got the All Blacks. We've got the Black Caps playing in a World Cup at the moment as well. The Kiwis are playing in a World Cup and the Kiwi Ferns. It's, it's all happening at the same time. Um, we've, we've actually got our, our new sub reporter, James Regan, is uh, heading over to the UK today, in fact, um, to cover the, the back end of the uh, the Rugby League World Cup. Good man. And I'm, I'm certainly hoping that he's um, going to get the chance to, to catch up with the Kiwi Ferns and provide some coverage there as well. Um, but I think that's a legitimate excuse. You know, newsrooms, I think, do their very best. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Long, Longy and, and, and everyone at Stuff is doing their best as well. Um, to, to cover everything um, and cover everything fairly. Um, but, gee, you, you, you simply can't be everywhere. Um, but, um, yeah, certainly we'll do our best. But, look, um, I don't, you know, will, will the Kiwi ferns mind flying under the radar a bit? No. I'm, I'm not sure that they will. I mean, it's important, obviously, to, to give them coverage um, and, to, and to make sure, especially if they're performing well, that, that they get that acknowledged. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing to fly under a radar at a World Cup and just uh, maybe cause a few surprises along the way. Yeah, OK, let's talk about the Kiwis. Uh, I spoke to Jesse Bromwich this morning, David. Uh, they're in good nick. They they talk about building, and they talk about building as, as we've always talked about. They're a great tournament team, but y- you almost feel like they need to put the hammer down against the Fijians in the quarterfinals this week to, to make finally make a statement. Yeah, we do, yeah. And I don't think they're going to see a repeat of what happened in Wellington five years ago when they lost 4-2. I think there's, a, there's definitely more class about this team than that time. They, I mean, they've been good, but they haven't been fantastic, the, um, the Kiwis, so far. Um, but it's been... Um, it, I mean, some of, this, some of the World Cup so far, it's been, it's been a bit tough to watch because it's been so one-sided with so many results. Um, but, um, you know, it is hard to get a gauge, especially on the big three. They, uh, you know, Australia, England and New Zealand, they all look pretty good. Um, England certainly have been, have been doing very well, and so Australia. And whereas New Zealand probably haven't been as, as impressive as the other two. But I think the World Cup really starts from this weekend. Um, and you can sort of park a lot of what we've seen before. It's been a chance, because, especially because there's been so little international rugby league for the last few years. You know, it's a chance for Michael Maguire to sort of... He's sort of used these three games as training games, really. You know, and you've seen these till he's still, um, you know, his selections. He's looking for the best, best combinations, and he's still. One, one thing that's worrying is we still don't know who's the goal kicker is the best for the team because um, no one's been doing very good at that, and that's, which I think is one of the biggest issues around. But um, uh, you know, I think they are looking good, the Kiwis, and I think should, should it be a comfortable win against Fiji, and then we'll just see how it goes from there. Obviously, it's going to be very tough though in the semi-final. Australia. Yeah, what about you, Gords? Do you, do you think the Kiwis can? I, I think they get past Fiji, but against Australia, hmm, question mark. Oh, look, I, I got to say, Matt, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a big statement uh, from the Kiwis in Good. this game against Fiji. I, my expectations for this team are, I, I won't say sky high, but I, I've got big expectations for this team. I, I think they absolutely have the squad 
they've got they've got the players, they've got the cattle to win this World Cup. Without, I've got no doubt in my mind at all. Um, Australia, of course, are, are going to be going to be tough when they come up against them. But yeah, like David says, um, I'm not expecting anything like what we saw against Fiji um, four years ago. I think this team has has improved in, in every sense. I think the coaching is better, the players are better. Um, as, a, as a squad, they're simply much, much stronger. Um, so, yeah, expecting a big statement this weekend. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be disappointed if the Kiwis don't at least go close to winning this tournament. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, and I, I think you, you have a right to feel validated in saying high expectations considering what that squad looks like. Uh, Brodie Rutelic's going to take coaching counselling. For his, and he got rather than a three match band, he got a two match band. What do you make of that one, uh, Andrew? Coaching counselling. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's. It, I don't mind that. Like, you, players need to be educated, right? And, yeah. and look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they don't know the rules or anything, but clearly for Brody Retallick, he's 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 entered that ruck uh, in a manner which is not okay. Um, so you've got to change your habits. Um, and I'm not saying he does, he enters you know every ruck like that. I mean, we're talking fine margins here, Mac. Like, you know, you, you enter a ruck and you get it slightly wrong um, when you're flying into a ruck like that and someone, you know, perhaps moves their head in a, in a way you weren't anticipating or whatnot and all of a sudden, bang, you're in trouble. Um, but look, the more education, the better but for, for everyone, but for players, for referees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I think that's, that's only going to help. Um, one thing I did find interesting, um, just with, with what happened on the field at the time when Brody Rustalic was shown a red card, you quite clearly heard the referees say there were no mitigating factors. Yet, mitigating factors, the, the, the judiciary actually said there were mitigating factors, and that's why he got a reduced back. I just I don't quite understand that myself. Um, but look, I think two games is, is fair. He'll take his medicine, and at least we'll get to see Brody Rustalic. Uh, against England at Twickenham, which is is really going to be the acid test, isn't it? Um, and as Jamie Joseph uh, points out, that England are a, a better team apparently, so I'm sure there's uh, motivation right throughout the All Blacks squad to uh, to really turn up for that game against England, and it'll be it'll be a big test, I think, for. Uh, and, and a telling test, I suppose, for where this team is at. Uh, you you in the same vein, uh, Longy? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, what one of the things that concerns me, though, is with what Brodie Retallick done. It, it does seem to be the, the biggest blight on, on rugby union at the moment is, is the way that you're seeing these forwards dive in and crash into guys in a ruck. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's something that the, the World Rugby really need to clamp down on. You know, they've gone hard on on high tackles or uh, hitting players in the air when they're catching the balls. This really needs to be the next thing because it is so dangerous to do things what Brady Retallick did. And, but, you know, I think two-week bans have got to be sort of seen as, as too light on for this sort of stuff now. Um, it, 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 you've got to be looking four or five weeks upwards, really. I think they really need to get this out of the game. And as, 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 as for this weekend's test, I mean, we've sort of seen during the year with the All Blacks, it's, you know, good test, bad test, good test, bad test. And we've had the, we've had the bad one now, so... Um, I, I guess in Wales they'll be hoping that this could be the first time since 1953 that they, they could beat the All Blacks and perhaps this is one of the best chances they've had for a while to, to do that. Um, I, I think it could, uh, I just think Wales will have a few players out but I think it could be a, I think it could be a close test as well. All righty, well, so you're, you boys are done. Uh, are both of you wearing gumboots to work on Friday? It's Gumboot Friday. I'm not working on Friday, but I'll wear some gumboots. Why not? <laughs> David? I, I don't have any gumboots. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, because you're English. You have galoshes, don't you? 
or something like that. Wellington boots. Wellington boots. Oh, Wellingtons. You have a pair of Wellingtons. All right, uh, Andrew, thanks as always. Go have plenty of water to make your Wednesday that much better. And oh, just quickly, David, uh, any talk on who's showing the tennis this year? The classic. Who's going to show the tennis this year? No one seems to know. <laughs> No, it's been dragging on for quite a while. Uh, it's still not sorted. It's the last time I heard about it, it's um, TVNZ don't look... I think I've heard that they're not going to be uh, the ones doing it all now, so I think it's down to Spark or um, or um, Sky or and perhaps even Andrew Gordy's um, TV3 could be involved, but um, it's, still, it's still to be sorted. Wow. OK, well, we'll leave that one out. Always, always a pleasure talking to you, mate. Have a great day. Thanks a lot. 10.43, that was the panel. And Andrew Gordy's just texted me, uh, Nikki Styrus's winning ticket. <laughs> More than a cup of coffee, mate, that's all I can say. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Theloveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Here's Dover Legend presenting and Gold Trip down the outside. Emissary is behind those. Gold Trip moves up, takes the lead from Dover Legend. 250 metres to go. Emissary running on. Gold Trip, 150 metres to go, wondering about getting tired. Emissary is trying very, very hard, but Gold Trip is brave. 100 to go, a length and a half Emissary. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Gold Trip wins it in a real staying contest for the ages. Yeah, big staying contest. Heavyweight, 57 and a half. First time a French horse has won in, since 19, uh, 99 years. 99 years, 90 years, whatever it was. Louis Herman won. Uh, it was a hell of an upset that not many people picked, if anyone. Yeah, although, and this, I'll say this, this happens every single year. The morning after, they come out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who, did you, who, who was your money on? Dover Legion? No, God, no. I was saying you could not take the favourite of that price. I was on um, Without a Fight, the other European. Yeah. Now, you're right. It's the second French bred horse. We still have, over the last years, the the biggest uh, tally of breeding success. New Zealand, that is, in the Melbourne Cup. Australia, yeah. I think, have had nearly half as many of us in the last couple of decades, at least. Uh, it'll be about three decades. And France, I mean... Here's the backstory of this horse, Stephen. You might yeah. find this interesting. No, I do. I will. So he was raced horse in. So he was racing in um, Europe in France under different ownership, and he ran fourth in the Arc, which is mm-hmm. yeah. widely known as the biggest and best race around the world. Twenty four hundred meters up a hill at um, in, at Longchamp in Paris, and it's just gnarly. Best middle distance horses and staying horses win it. They then purchase him, Australia Bloodstock and Will Bourne for um, uh, Kieran Ma and David Eustace for $2.1 million. That'll do. For a, a, a horse that's not a yearling, it's two point one. That's the Australian price to get him as a tried horse. He comes out here and in the first crack at the preparation, he was on the track for the Cox Plate last year. Um, it went pear-shaped fastly. He got sick, he got ill, and it just didn't work. Came back, so... Scrap that, spring gone. Boom, $2.1 million purchase. You can't even race them in spring. That was last year. Ouch. Came back in the autumn. Foot abscess. Out to the paddock again. $2.1 million horse. They're telling the owners, you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. This year, finally get a clean run at it. Runs a huge race fresh up. 
Um, and then in the the naturalism looms up to win. This is not in a group one, and and goes oh no, balks away, but didn't want it. The winning post goes through to a Caulfield Cup, loomed up to win. By this stage, he's only ever won one race, two point one million dollars. Ran fourth in the arc though. All the talent in the world looms up in the Caulfield Cup to win. Throws his head around when he gets up there. Doesn't want to win. Goes to the Cox Plate. You're thinking right, so they're backing him up out of the Caulfield Cup into the Cox Plate. So you're going twenty four hundred back to two thousand meters. How's that going to work? Jamie Spencer from England arrives to, to ride him. He's swinging off him. Can't go. Left, right, left, right. He's running behind <laughs> them. He didn't even get a shot at them. And then they go, you know what? He's barely even had a canter. He could blow out a candle. He wouldn't even blow out a candle. Let's line him up in the Melbourne Cup because we paid $2.1 million for this horse. He's good enough. He's got the pedigree. Sure, he's going to carry 57 and a half, but we think he's going to get the trip. Turns up, wins $2.1 million. This spring alone, he's earned about five and a half. What a genius piece of training. What a genius piece of bloodstock management. It's just a it's a Melbourne Cup win for the ages, and it was a staying, staying test, as Matt Hill said. So well, that, congratulations, that, everyone involved. That is a great story. Just quickly, got uh, give, give me 40, uh, 60 seconds. What you got? Well, Avondale races today, and it's not quite the glory of Flemington, um, <laughs> if we be really honest. Um, there's a bunch of maiden races out there. Look, they'll, they'll go around for prize money today. There'll be winners. I don't have a tip for you because tomorrow we're going to hold our purse because it's Oaks Day, Group 1 Day, back at Flemington. But you can have a bet today, of course. We'd encourage you to do that responsibly at Avondale this weekend, 2,000 guineas, the Group 1. It's the Sally in making Group 1 in New Zealand, really, down there in Rickerton, Pierre is going to be your favourite at about $3. Can't wait to bring you all the action towards the end of the week, Stephen. N- nice work, Louis. All right, uh, eat, drink and get racy. Round up your current book now at thegrandtour.nz. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.58, bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Here's the two-minute drill. We'll call it that with Pip Morris. Morning, Pip. Good morning, Stephen. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks. Did you have a good Melbourne Cup day? I did. It was absolutely wonderful out and about and enjoying the sunshine here in New Zealand. What is the NBA throwing at us today? Well, I can tell you there's been a couple of nice bets on the Golden State Warriors. $500 on them head-to-head as well at $1.92. $500 on the Bulls head-to-head at two oh five. Some really nice power play options there as well. And we've got that good promotion with TAB at the moment, Stephen, where if your team is winning by 12 or more, leading into half-time, we'll pay you out as a winner. So, And that's just if you have a pre-match head-to-head beat on either team that you want to back in the basketball today. So nice little incentive there. And just quickly, too, on the cricket side of things, couple of bets today, most of the money on Zimbabwe, 84% head-to-head in that market. 1.3 thousand on the dot ball to be the first ball of the match at a dollar 62 in the India Bangladesh match. 2k on India head to head 115 and as 1.35k on India head to head at a dollar 13. And so a couple of hundred and, and really quickly, anything on the dogs? Yeah, we've got the semi-finals for the Galaxy and New Zealand Cup for the Greyhounds this evening. $5,000 guaranteed first balls on all of the races and power plays available on runners six or more. And those futures markets, Stephen, are still available to back into on tab.co.nz with the favourite currently federal infrared with a power superstar for the New Zealand Cup. I think both of them are really shoppable at that quote. Nice work, Pip. Thanks as always. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. It is R18. Coming your way after 11 this morning, we talk to Kiwi Ferns captain Crystal Orota and Dean Lonergan.
as Justin Hooney takes on Kiwi Kiki Tour Lotele this Friday in Australia. Looking forward to that one. Stay with us right here on SENZ Mornings. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03 on a Wednesday morning, the second day of November for 2022, and the Kiwi Ferns start their campaign tomorrow morning. I looked on the Sparksport app, 5.39am. 5.39am coverage starts in their first match in the Rugby League World Cup for women in York against France. Already today, overnight, England have beaten Brazil 72-4, and Papua New Guinea have beaten Canada 34-12. The Kiwi Ferns are led by Crystal Ruta, uh, and uh, I spoke to her earlier this morning and asked, start by just simply saying, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling very excited, Stephen. So excited. The girls are, are really vibing and everyone's excited. We've um, been through a few uh, trials since we've been here, but um, everyone's just excited to kick off the World Cup. It's been a long time coming with um, obviously COVID restrictions. So the girls just can't wait to get on the paddock and kick off this campaign. Yeah, there, there is so much to talk about. Let's, let's talk about uh, the the trials you've gone through with the smoke damage to the team gear. What the heck went down there? Oh, I know. It's um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate event. Um, to be honest, we, you know, we had um, an awesome training facilities at a at a school, and um, yeah, there was a bit of a an incident in the um sauna. So the sauna, I'm not, I don't actually know the details exactly, but um, yeah, something's caught on fire, and um, there's been some bags that have um been completely damaged, and then the rest of our stuff was um just yeah, badly smoke damaged. So so, so are we talking personal items or just training gear? Um, both personal items and training gear. Yeah, so there's been yeah, there's, for some people some significant losses in regards to phones and um, you know, personal items oh, okay. um, of sentimental value. Yeah. Oh, okay. So as skipper, how have you rallied the women around you? Yeah, we've sort of just, um, you know, tried to use it as a, um, you know, a bit more motivation and um, just tried to pull each other together and just get around each other through these um, hard times. And, you know, hopefully that um, gives the girls a bit more determination and motivation um, to and take it out there on the field with them tomorrow night. How has training been going and, and how do the combinations look, Crystal? Yeah, trainings have been really good, actually. Um uh, we've had, you know, we had a couple of trainings back in New Zealand and then we've had um, a few here and we're slowly building combinations. Obviously, we have a squad of 24, so, um, you know, we have a few different combinations that we can, um, you know, train with and the coaches have been rotating the girls in and out and they've made their selections for tomorrow's night, tomorrow night's game. But, you know, the, we're pretty fortunate to have um, various combinations that we can use throughout this um, tournament. So I think the coaches have done a great job in their selections and who they've um, selected because Ricky sort of mentioned that he's selected based on, you know, good people, um, not just good players. And I, I, I believe he's done that. Yeah, let's talk about some of the, the key players. Apart from yourself, we know at Hooker and Skipper. And congratulations, by the way, again on the captaincy. But how how exciting how exciting is the return of Arpy Nichols uh, after two years out of the game? Yeah, it's really exciting to have Arpy back. Um, 
you know, she's a key figure in our spine and playing fullback and, um, you know, she's got a wealth of experience. So, um, you know, you kind of need that from the back when you've got someone, you know, directing us around, especially on defence and, um, you know, her, her carry returns are, are always strong. So it's um, good to have Uppy back and, um, you know, she's brought her baby across too. So it's um, that's been something pretty special as um, a couple of the girls have their babies with us and it's um, made it quite comforting for myself, especially as a mum, to have the babies around camp. Well, you've got Nikayla with you, and, and, and that's a story in itself uh, with her kidney issues and the like. And I know, I know, having spoken to you before about the, the hard work that you've gone through to, to look after your baby, but you'll have her there in the stands, I believe. Yeah, she's, um, they, my family came over and arrived yesterday, so they're still in London at the moment, and my um, parents have just taken the Kayla around to do a bit of sightseeing. Nice. They're not actually coming up to the first game, but they'll be here for our game against the Cook Islands, so it's very exciting to know that they're here on the side of the world um, and nearby me, so I can't wait to see them um, you know, in our second game. Yeah, I, I was reading, uh, Crystal, about the fact that if the World Cup had been held, you would you wouldn't have gone. It was it was Nikayla ahead of the game. So the fact that you're being able to celebrate the tournament with your daughter, how important is, personally is this for you? Oh, very important. Um, yeah, and I'm just I'm actually just so grateful and fortunate that um, you know that they ended up postponing this um, the World Cup and having it at a later date because. Uh, had it gone ahead uh, when COVID was around, there would have been no way I would have left my daughter behind in, in the middle of a pandemic and come across to the World Cup. So um, it's very special that I still get to participate in the World Cup and even more special that she's um, over here with me. How's she doing? Yeah, she's doing She's doing well. Um, obviously, you know, she's very special. Able um, because she's able to travel. So, um, had things not been well with her health, she wouldn't have been able to travel. So, um, you know, it's been a lot of hard work and um, trying to maintain her health and keep everything steady and stable um, to enable this trip. Uh, we've, you know, we had to do quite a few things um, in preparation to allow for this trip to happen. So, um, you know, just very grateful that we were able to do that. And she had COVID earlier on in the year when I was um, actually relocated to Australia. So, uh, just yeah, I, I think that everything sort of um, happens for a reason, and I think that everything's um, just panned out perfectly for our family. So, extremely grateful. How do you manage to balance being a mum with a daughter who's, you know, medically challenged and a rugby league player at the same time? Um, it's just, it's, you know, I just uh, people always say to me, I don't know how you do it. And my response is always, I have no choice. <laughs> I can't sort of just, um, especially with Nikayla's house, I, you know, you just have to get on with it. And um, I'm just lucky that I have a good support system, especially with my parents. My um, stepmom's absolutely phenomenally amazing. She does so much for me um, and my family, uh, you know, my, my, my daughter and my son. Um, she's been, you know, just a pillar of strength for me and helping me all my trainings that I have to attend and you know um, games in the weekends and heading away for camps and then obviously coming into campaigns she's the one who's there for me and um, looks after Nikayla so she's the one I trust the most um, to do that job and um, you know without her I definitely would not be able to do this. Coach Ricky Henry's made it quite clear that going forward, family first. You've got Appy, you've got Shanice Parker, who's got her 10-month-old son over as well. You've got Nikayla. Having, having the babies around, does that help focus? 
Yeah, for, for myself, I, um, you know, as a mother, I think for the two girls, it, it sort of takes away that anxiety and that worry, um, you know, if your children are okay in your absence. So personally for me, it definitely, and I'm sure that, the, um, you know, up here and Shanice feel the same, that it, it does help with the focus. It can, I guess, be a little bit be distracting at times when, you know, baby's here and, and crying or whatnot for the mums. But um, I just feel that, you know, and, in regards to focus, it definitely does help because you just feel more at ease that your children are nearby and, you know, that if anything, um, if they need anything, you're not far away as opposed to if they were all the way back in New Zealand, you know, it's just such a, a long distance and, and time apart that um, it'll be very hard to focus. What are the excitement levels for Racine McGregor? Man, she had a hell of a season. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're very fortunate to have Ray Ray. Um, she's such a character, actually. Um, she's, um, you know, we're, we're, she's Dally M this year, so we're lucky to have her on our side, um, of our side this, uh, this time round. So, you know, playing against Racine is, um, has, is, was a challenge in the NRLW. She's such a magnificent player. So, um, it's very exciting to have Ray here. And, you know, she's, she's a co, she's a co, um, vice captain with Georgia Hale. And, um, she's a, she's a leader in, with her actions, which is 100% how she leads. You know, she doesn't say too much, um, outside of the training field or on the, you know, on the playing pitch. That's where she does all her talking. And that's the type of leader that Ray is. And, um, I'm just so glad, you know, that she's here alongside us playing with us. Crystal, you mentioned Georgia too when I was going to get onto her. She's one player that really just gets the head down and does the job, doesn't she? She she is a star that, that doesn't like the attention too much. She's an absolute star, Georgia. She um and a and a beautiful person too, you know. She's she's an absolute workhorse and you know, she at training she just she just does everything with a hundred percent effort and intensity all the time. Like, you know, she's like a battery that never runs out that one she's she just <laughs> and just off the field as well she's a great role model you know she's a very good friend and um we're very lucky to have her in our team and as a leader and she just leads leads so well and just she just does every she's a true professional athlete that's how i see georgia she does everything off the field right and you know when she's on the field that's reflected because of everything that she does um you know she trains so hard and um just has the right words to say, I guess. So she's she's an absolutely awesome leader. Her dad, Loza, Laurie, is part of the Kiwis uh, setup as well. Is he going to try and get to the game? Yeah, yeah. I actually think Loza was here the other day. I'm not sure. Um, I, I heard um, someone saying to G that her dad was here. So that's that's awesome for G to have him here because obviously, you know, she's. She's in Australia and um, well, Loz has been there too, but I guess it'll be awesome to sort of have your dad around on the footy scene all the time. So, um, yeah, I'm sure Loz will be coming out to our game um, tomorrow night. Three debutants, Shanice Parker, Tessa Puller and Brianna Clark. What are you going to say to those those young debutants before the first game? Will you, are you the type of captain that has a personal moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm actually a captain. I like to write little notes to um, to my um, to my fellow teammates. Wow. Um, so, um, but I definitely will. Um, you know, will have a little say to them. And I think the most important thing for our debutants is I know that nerves are always high when you're you know when you're debuting for your country. So I just want to make sure that they you know they feel supported and and that they have fun out there and don't be overawed by the occasion. 
So, you know, you, you always want your, your debut to be a memorable one. So I just want to get the message to them basically to go out there and, you know, play the game that they know how to play because that's what's, um, you know, that's why Ricky selected them because they're great players. So just to go out there and have fun and do what they know, what they do. All right, two more questions because I know you've got a jersey presentation coming up. Who's presenting the jerseys? Um, we, we have Coach presenting our jerseys tonight. Um, so he... Um, and we have some family members here, so there's nice. um, family members of a couple of the players, so they'll be presenting to their family members, and then our coach will be presenting to the rest of us. And why is your voice so hoarse? <laughs> um, well, we've, we've been practicing the haka, so I've been going a, bit, a little bit too hard too soon, <laughs> I think, because... Now I'm not going to have much of a voice for our first game, but um, I've been having a lot of lemon juice and honey um, to try and get my voice back for tomorrow so I can um, be a force to be reckoned with in Haka tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, I, like, I like your style, and as, as, as you said to me, I like the vibe coming out of you as well. Crystal, congratulations on the captaincy and leading the Kiwi Ferns into their first match of the Rugby League World Cup. Wish them all the best and go for it, girl. Thank you. So lovely to catch up again, Steve. Uh, she is one tough cookie, Crystal Rotor, captain of the Kiwi Ferns. Stick around on SENZ Mornings. Dean Lonergan and boxing is next. Eleven twenty-one on a Wednesday morning with Stephen McIver around Australia on the SEN app or on. New Zealand on the SENZ app, just take us where you go and uh, just have have a good old time. You know the one thing that is staggering, in the last probably 24 months, the boxing game in Australia has just gone gangbusters. And right at the forefront of that is our very own Dean Lonergan of D&L Events. And he's got one of the most exciting heavyweights going around on his in his stable, called Justice Huni, who fights Kiki Tor Latelli uh, Friday night at Nissan Arena in Brisbane. And Dino's joined us right now. I know it's early in the morning, but uh, how are you, big boy? No, all good, Stevie. You know, uh, we're just uh, staying down the road from Nissan Arena where the fight is. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Brisbane, so I'm uh, looking forward to a big night on Friday night. Tell us, tell us about Justice Hooney a little bit more, and and why you've got him in your stable. Six and O, four KOs, uh, holds the IBF Pan Pacific and WBO Oriental Heavyweight belts, which go on the line on Friday. He is probably the most exciting heavyweight to come out of Australasia in the last hundred years, in my opinion, and I know that's a big statement. But, um, you know, especially when you've got the likes of David Tua, who was incredible out of New Zealand. You've got the likes of um, of uh, Justice Hooney. Uh, sorry, um, Joe, Joe Parker. Parker. who went on to win a world title, you know. And uh, But Justice is probably the most credentialed amateur to ever come out of this part of the world. He's the first boxer in 100 years on debut in Australia to win a national title in the pro ranks. And, mate, he, uh, he's been overseas sparring to really high-end guys. And they've uh, been holding his own and, and, and sort of going very, very well. And there's a lot of buzz about the kid in America now as a result of that sparring with some of the best guys over there. And uh, he just, he fights, look, he's a heavyweight. He fights like a middleweight. He's very fast. He's um, he's incredibly tough. And, mate, he's just an incredible boxer. So uh, he's very excited to watch. Most importantly, Dean, though, he's big he's, and he's tall. He's got long levers, which you need in the heavyweights now. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, he's, he's about six foot four, but he comes oh. in at the moment. He's got no fat on him, and he's coming in about 110, 111 kilos. So he's just naturally getting bigger, and uh, you know he's starting to his power's starting to come up, 
and he's got an incredibly big motor. You know, on, his, on debut, he had to go seven rounds, and it was no problem for him. It's usually very, very difficult for fighters you know, to come out of the amateur ranks from three rounds and go straight to ten. I mean, he, he did it easily. It's such a tough game, this boxing game, and, you, and you've and you got to build up your reputation. You've got, to, you've got to have a strong record. Mentally, what's he like off out of the ring? Like everyone, every young fella coming up, you know, there's all sorts of distractions, but he's very, very good. You know, like he's, um, he goes over to uh, America now for a lot of his camps going forward. Uh, he's had a couple of camps over there now, and he's very committed to his craft, and he understands exactly what's in front of him. Justice has been boxing since he was seven, eight years of age, and he's been groomed from this from a very young age. You know, as, uh, they used to leave, uh, they used to take Justice out of school to go to boxing tournaments all around the world, and uh, mate, this is what he's born to do. So, uh, it's fair to say he's something special. How much of a threat is Kiki Tuolatelli? Eight, one, and two, seven KOs. He's a big boy. I think Kiki is, is, is a bit of a threat, uh, simply because two reasons. One, he's very durable, and two, he hits very hard. You know, he's a, uh, Kiki's only a little bit smaller than Justice from a uh, height point of view, but he's certainly he's about the same weight as Justice. He's, and Kiki's the fittest he's ever been. He got robbed of a decision over here against a guy called Dempsey McKean going back about a year, year and a half ago, and Kiki's been waiting for his opportunity against Justice. This is the equivalent of the Kiki Latelli's, you know, um, world title fight. And if he, uh, if he could upset Justice, it would be a massive upset. I personally can't see it. But, you know, it's a heavyweight division. You only have to get one thing wrong and you, can, yeah. you, know, you get connected on the chin and you're in a spot of bother. And Kiki can bang. And he's trained, of course, by the very uh, excellent uh, Isaac Peach out of Peach Boxing there in the uh, Waitakere Ranges at West Auckland. And, mate, he, um, mate, Isaac does an amazing job. Yeah, well, he's also got one very exciting fighter in the light heavyweight division who's fighting for the IBF Australasian title tomorrow in Jerome Pampelone, 14-0, eight KOs. I'm going to say a French-born Australian, uh, Ferris Chevalier. I like, I like, there's something about Jerome Pampelone, man. I don't know what it is, but I, I get excited every time I see him go in the ring. He was very, very good in his last fight uh, before the ABA. Uh, on a peach card, but prior to that, he fought on the fight for life. That's and right. Very night against uh, Francis Chua, Chucky, for want of a better term. And uh, mate, it was he fought very well. And Jerome's one of those guys who's improving with every single fight. So Ferris is a very, very tough fight for him. You know, he's, he's was once rated in the sort of top eight, top nine in the world. So uh, it's a very tough fight for Jerome. If he comes through that, well, mate, things are looking very rosy. Okay, so you're not as effusive about Jerome as I am. Uh, you're very cautious in how you describe what he's got in front of him. What what do you see that needs to uh, improve? Oh, look, nothing. He's 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 actually on the improve big time. He he uh, couple of fights ago against a guy called Lucas Miller over here. He had him had him down in the first two rounds, but couldn't finish the job. Whereas against Chucky, who I think is a, a bigger, stronger, yeah. harder fight, he managed to get him out there in five or six rounds. So he's definitely improving. And uh, he, he, he won his last fight with an amazing series of body shots yeah. uh, to the liver, you know, and I thought it was incredible. So Jerome's definitely on the improve. And uh, it's, it's like everything, mate. You don't want to be giving guys too many accolades early on because they've still got a long way to go. But, you know, in all reality, with the record that he's got and what he's doing and if he has a good win against Farrah Chevalier, Jerome could be only five or six fights away from maybe maybe a title shot. The other fighter in your stable, also out of peach boxing, is Andre Mikhailovich, who's been a little quiet. So what's going on with Andre at the moment? Well, we're lining up the big fight for December 16 at the moment against a guy called Isaac Hardman. Oh, yep. Uh, Hardman 
is, is an exceptional boxer. He, he had a bit of a bad night at the office uh, eight months ago against Michael Zarafa uh, and got knocked out. But up until then, Hardman was sparking everyone. And, and Isaac's fantastic in the media. And I think that fight will be an absolute beauty. Uh, Andre at the moment is ranked 12 and 13 in the IBF and the WBO. And uh, he just needs to have fights of that caliber to, to move his way up. Man, you've, you, I mean, that peach stable, that's, that's a strong stable and a good one to be aligned with, isn't it? Well, he's also got David Light, an unbeaten cruiserweight out of New Zealand, yeah. you know, and uh, Isaac's, Isaac's got, he's got, those are his three main boxes, and of course he's looking after Kiki uh, Toa Latelli, and mate, he's, he's done an amazing job with Kiki, so it's fair to say, if you want uh, boxing excellence in the pro ranks, get your ass in Isaac Peter's gym, because <laughs> he really knows what he's, what he's doing. And let's not forget Mamutu as well. Hey, sorry for waking you up early, pal. Oh, yeah. My apologies, Mamutu, you're dead right, mate. She is uh, something special when it comes to boxing, and there's been quite a bit of publicity on Mia in the last uh, few months as we see the rise of women's boxing. She is an exceptional talent, and uh, she's got a really you know, interesting backstory, and uh, mate, she's really standing out. Yeah, I, I saw a story in it, which, was, which it's quite a hard backstory, but she is the yep. l- loveliest woman to talk to, but man, can that girl box, and I'd love to see her get a she crack at a fight. title. I reckon she gets a crack somewhere along the way. Look, I can promise you this. She actually had a crack lined up, but people had a close look at her and realised how good she was, and then they back off. You know, when you get a world title, you don't particularly want to go giving it away to people who can actually fight. <laughs> All right, Dan. Hey, mate, thanks, as always, for giving us your time, and uh, have a good one on Friday, mate. All right, Stevie, thank you. Oh, by the way, the fights this week are on Sky TV. Yep, Sky and, Sport uh, 5, 9 o'clock Friday. Channel 5, 9 o'clock Friday, Sky Sport 5. That's awesome, mate. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> Doesn't miss a trick out. Dino, there you go. Yes, Huni versus Latelli, the main event. Uh, Sky Sport 5, 9 o'clock Friday. That's free, right? Free. Sky Sport 5, 9 o'clock Friday, the main undercard. Jerome Pamplone, the Black Panther against Faris Chevalier, who is 13-2 and 7 KOs, a French-born Australia. That one is for the IBF Australian lightweight, light heavyweight title. So a whole heap to look forward to. Man, the boxing scene in Australasia is good at the moment. All right, so too is Stumped by Stephen, because now's your chance. Get on the blower. 0800 150811. What was the guy's name yesterday from Huntley that actually beat us up badly? Oh, I can't remember. It was good for, uh, Brett. Brett from Huntley beat us up yesterday. Now's your chance for that $50 TAB bonus bet to win. Stumped by Stephen. 0800 150811 right here on SCNZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time here for Stumped on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith in the hot seat. Is uh, Stephen McIver today, though? Yeah, I thought you'd forgotten a minute. It doesn't even resemble Smithy. Come on. I always have to acknowledge <laughs> whose show it is. <laughs> of course. And by the way, if you're missing Smithy, he's on T20 World Cup duty, okay? So that's why he he's, hasn't been around. So just to clear that up, we had a text in on uh, Temper Bed Post text line on 8833. Uh, Smithy's on T20 duty. So we're getting some. I think we might hear from him tomorrow, right? Yeah, he, he should be on the show tomorrow. He's, uh, he's probably on a plane right now to Adelaide. There's a bunch of games happening at Adelaide Oval, including the Black Caps v Ireland later this week. I know Smithy loves Adelaide Oval, so he'll be looking forward to that. I think isn't that the first time they've to play the T20 at Adelaide? Is something there's some some fun fact like that? Oh, well, if you got the fun facts, we'll see how you go today, mate. <laughs> yeah, right, okay, move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you alluded to earlier, uh, yeah, we got all smacked around the uh, park. 1-6, 
2-6, Never stood a chance against uh, Brett from Huntley yesterday. Yeah, no, and, and the crazy thing about yesterday was because you threw in uh, supercars and rugby league and A-league, and he said straight away, with you, McIver, I'm not going to touch supercars or rugby league. And he went A-league, and I'm going, but you're in Huntley, mate. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's rugby yep. league central. And he absolutely slammed us. Well, yep, that's only for you, but we'll get on to uh, today's edition of Stump $50 TAB. Bonus bet up for grabs. He's poised to go. He's got his bat. He's getting up there to the crease. Wade from Christchurch. Come in, mate. Morning, guys. Morning, mate. How are you? Well, I'll see you in about five minutes, hopefully. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's, let's, let's uh, be confident about it, mate. Yeah, I mean, uh, after yesterday's performance, we'll see how we go. Uh, Wade, the categories for you to choose from today are Rugby League World Cup, Supercars, and the New Zealand Breakers. Take your pick. Oh, let's go to the Rugby League. All right. Different strategy today. Good luck. Let's see how much... You've all been paying attention to the Rugby League World Cup. First question, which player has scored the most tries so far this tournament? I knew I should have subscribed to Spark Sport. Josh Edokar. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ah, the Fox is always a good guess, but no, not correct. Stephen, over to you. Rapana. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, I know who it's going to be. The answer I'm looking for is Dallin Watney's listening. Nope. Oh. England, eight tries, Dominic Young. Oh, the kid that plays for Newcastle. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The Fox. Josh Anakar second or six. Uh, So, second question for you, Wade. Which player has made the most points so far in this Rugby League World Cup? Hear that? (laughs) Um, uh, Jack Wellesby. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Come on, McIver. Try scorer, Dominic. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Think points, mate. Who does the kicking? Yeah, but that's only two points. <clears throat> yeah, but who's yeah, but who's doing all those conversions and those penalties? Nathan Cleary is the answer I was looking for. Okay. I know he's looking very despondent right now after not getting that one. Last question for you, Wade. Fifty dollar TAB bonus bet up for grabs here. Name the player that has had the most. Tackle breaks so oh, far this season. God's sake! <laughs> hey, you know you Joey love Marley. your stats, mate. You love oh, what did he Just say? a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, oh. and away it goes. What was the answer? I was the, arguing uh, you, with you. Yeah, you were. You're too busy doing that, mate. Not paying attention to the game. The answer was Joey Manu. Okay, that's fair play. All right. Okay, does he win or do we have to keep going? No. Gotta keep Wait, going. Wade wins, mate. He wins. Yeah, so on one question, he wins. Like two wrong on one question, he wins. You can't get three right. That is, <laughs> look, you know, people always debate the rules of stomped. I didn't make them up. Right, I beg your pardon, Wade? We could be here or not, you and I are doing <laughs> Yeah, people are going, oh, my camera thought you did leave. Well, yeah. Uh, so what are you going to spend the 50 bucks on, bud? 
well, I've got rugby league on mine, haven't I? So put it on the ki- put it put it on the Kiwi ferns. Get the Kiwi ferns involved there, right? Because they play France, yeah, they play France tomorrow yeah. morning, and York, and then oh, of course the Kiwis play uh, the Fiji and Bati in the quarterfinals on Sunday. I reckon that's a good start, don't you? Yeah, I think both those teams are a multi somewhere along the line somehow. All right. Well, thanks, mate. I appreciate you playing stumped by Dum Dum. <laughs> Have a good day, bud. Cheers, guys. 11.37. This is uh, SENZ Mornings with Stephen McIver. Hey, I've got breaking news. You're going to be – this shocking news. Cool. Oh, it, it, Absolutely all right, shocking well, one news. One second. How big is this breaking news? It is, it is big. All right, hold your horses, mate. Okay, it's big. Breaking news, give it the full treatment, Stephen, let's go. Today, on Breaking News, on this day, November the 2nd, 2022, McDonald's are no longer putting hot fudge sauce on the McFlurry. What? McDonald's are no longer putting hot fudge sauce on the McFlurry. So, <laughs> oh, I just, okay. I just... But I grew up with McFlurries. <laughs> They've changed over the, the course of their... Span, they're very delicious, but they're not what they once were, you know. So, in that case, I'll just go for a hot fudge Sunday because damn, they're good. Well, hang on, but they have a hot fudge Sunday, right? Yeah, so just go for that. So, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they put the hot fudge on the McFlurry? It's a very good question. It's a very it's good. A question. very good question. If you because I thought if you can't have the hot fudge on the McFlurry, then why would you? Well, then maybe the hot fudge was off the menu. It could be. It could be about sugar. Yeah, potentially. It might be, right? Potentially. Is your daughter into McFlurries? Well, no, not I don't even she hasn't even tried ice cream yet. She's just turned two. We'll see how we go there. Oh my gosh. And to think she'll <laughs> never experience goody goody gumdrops. Oh yeah, I almost don't want to live in that world because that's actually my favorite. I know. Flavor. I know. She'll never experience Madison, right? Is it Madison? Yes. She'll never experience goody goody gumdrops. Although I will say, sure, tip top, they might be shelving goody goody gumdrops. I think it's like cookies, cookies and cream. cream. Yeah, sure. While they do that, much more ice cream are probably laughing all the way to the bank because who? much more. If you is, are you being paid to say this, I am not. Okay, so who's, no, they're, they're my, it's my dad's favorite ice cream. And much it's, it's, more ice cream. It's freaking good. They don't do the, um, you know, the individual ones like you get at the dairy or anything, but they do the tubs. And trust me, if you get the tub that's like, it's chocolate ice cream, it's got the cookies from like cookies and cream, mm. and I think little fudge bits, it's Whoa. so good. It's very, very sweet, of course, but it is good. So, yeah, I mean, goody, goody gum, gumdrops will still exist in some form, just not by tip top, but that's fine. <laughs> Very important news. It's 11.40. <laughs> He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
11.46 on a Wednesday as we head towards midday and midday with Staffy and midday matters. We'll talk to Staff a little while shortly, but we got this um, text on the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight three. It was from Craig in Tauranga. He said, I'm hoping to take on Stephen at Supercars in Stumped by Smithy or Stumped by Dum Dum, which is me. Uh, and we thought, hang on a minute. Why don't we just respond to Craig and give him a crack? So uh, Craig joins us on the line from Tauranga right now. G'day, buddy. G'day, how you doing? Good, mate. Have you got, have you got not, haven't you got enough to do in the day? <laughs> well, I'm trying to walk up the mountain at the moment, so talking's kind of difficult. Oh, okay. Right. Well, okay. We'll just, so just find a rock, okay, and sit on it for yeah, a moment. Yeah, I'm about to do that. So, okay, so you want to take me on a supercars. All right, we'll, we'll give you a chance to win that. And we're going to throw in, if you beat me, simple simple game, we'll give you the $50 bonus bet as well, okay? How does that sound? Uh-huh. Awesome, sounds great. All righty, well, we'd like to respond to our listeners. All right, uh, over to you, Quizmaster. All right, take a seat, Craig, get ready. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, you you heard that right. It's it's not a remix, but it's almost like a repeat because we're going to go again. We're feeling chari- charitable here, aren't well, we? Well, well, it was you know responding to a a listener who would wanted to have a crack at me, so that's fair enough in a nice way, <laughs> in a nice way, not the abusive way that some like to have a crack at me. So let's get on with it. Oh, that's all right, mate. It's all right. Yeah, testing your supercar knowledge, uh, knowledge. So uh, we don't have to go through the categories because it's already set. Let's get the music going. All right, Craig, from the bay, we know it. The bay. Because there's only one at the moment, and we can save for the rest of the year, can't we, Craig? Absolutely, absolutely. I wish Smitty was here. He's always worth a wind up with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian is from Havelock North. He's feeling it. I trust me. All right, first question for you, Craig. The greatest number of race wins in one season is 21. Name the driver who clocked that record. Oh, SCG. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. You right there, Stephen? Yeah, no, keep going. That was an easy one. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Second question for you, Craig. A Kiwi owns the supercars record for most wins by a driver who has not won a championship at 28. Name that driver. Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, let's go with Stephen Richards. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That opens the gate. Is it Murph? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot and away it goes. It is. It is. It's your mate Murph. There you go. (laughs) Oh, you got one. You got one right. That's that's great. Are we still going? Oh, we're still going. Okay, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. A little support. A little support, please. (laughs) (laughs) We're tied here. One, one. One more to go. Here's the tiebreaker. No super overs here. <laughs> Scott McLaughlin and SVG are tied eighth for most championship wins with three each, but one Kiwi is above them with four. Name that driver. Sorry, I, I missed part of that question. Scott McLaughlin and what was was it? Tied with three each? McLaughlin and SVG are tied eighth for most championship wins with three each, but one Kiwi is above them with four. Who is that driver? Ooh. Jim Richards. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 
Yeah, that's right. 1985, 87, 1990, and 1991. I'm pretty sure, McIver, you would have had that one up your sleeve. That was on the tip of my lips. But nice effort. Does he win? Does he win? Does he win? Yeah, we'll we'll throw it in, Uh, mate. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, Craig. Congratulations. 50 50 bucks to spend on the Adelaide 500 coming up, all right? (laughs) Oh, gosh. You still there, buddy? You might have just lost some gas oh, there just, on, just, the hill, on the hill right? of the mount. I hope you're still on the hill. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, congratulations, Craig. So there you go. Just a little bit of a bonus today because uh, Swinks was in a generous mood. So uh, congratulations, he wins the $50 bonus bet. All right, that's us. So uh, coming back shortly, we'll see what, uh, gosh, see what Staffy's got in mind. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.